from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. She's a dog on a mission and so much more. She's just such a loyal companion. Meet Skippy, the farm dog of the year. Our farmland sales starting to cool off. Still some really strong sales out there in the country. What the latest numbers are telling us as winter takes a wild swing. Winter lasted less than two weeks and now it's over. How warm temperatures could be by this time next week, right now on Ag Day. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when the testing grounds meet the proving grounds. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clint Griffiths. From extreme cold and heavy snow to now a surge in temperatures, the weather in many parts of the country is undergoing a dramatic shift, and it looks like the trend could last for the foreseeable future. Take a look at this map showing the maximum high temperatures as we head into the end of January. Parts of Montana could see temperatures well above 50 degrees. Now that's a big change from what we saw earlier this month when temperatures dropped as low as negative 50 across the Northern Plains. That means that from mid-January to the end of January, we're looking at a 100 degree plus temperature swing for parts of the Northern High Plains. It won't be quite as dramatic for the rest of the country, but it will be a big turnaround that could lead to some rapid melting of snow and some very muddy conditions in areas that were affected by those multiple snowstorms. In the south, the concern is for heavy rain, with some areas seeing eight inches plus, all the way from eastern Texas to the central and southern Appalachians. And while that may be good news for drought-impacted areas, Rippey says it could lead to flash flooding. Continuing our team coverage now with meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht. Matt, the temperature swing is well underway. Yeah, one way that uh, we kind of show that warm up is underway is looking at the snowfall estimate going uh, forward. Uh, remember, in the last two weeks, shouldn't have to remind you, I mean, we all went through it with the cold there. A lot of snowfall spread in and across the United States. Uh, press the button and we roll this through now our Wednesday, our Thursday into our Friday. Higher terrain, higher elevation, certainly seeing some snow back into the four corner states off there to the west. But we're through Thursday at about 9 a.m. Now, the one thing about this is that there is going to be some moisture out there, but it's going to be all rain in and across the Midwest and back here towards the east. In fact, you see a sliver of snow into Wisconsin and the northeast. That's snow to the south of there. It's going to be all rain. Now this is through Thursday at seven o'clock in the morning with the snowfall estimate uh, coming up in a little bit. We'll take a look at not only the snowpack, but what that snowpack and warm temperatures or warmer temperatures mean now for the overall outlook. Details on that in just a few. And wow, look at this cap go capturing the moment. Oklahoma uh, last one of the new hay bale is a rotten egg. They're told the icy weather didn't snow down this little guy. Snow down, slow down. Let's go. Great to see it. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. 2024 is just getting started, but ag economists expect headwinds for the farm economy. The Federal Reserve Board just releasing its beige book, including a breakdown of what to watch in the year ahead. University of Illinois' Ryan Hanrahan breaking it down like this on Farm Doc. In the 7th District of Chicago, 2023 net farm income was above average due to higher than expected crop yields. That's not expected to continue this year. Corn and soybean prices are edging lower. Input costs are mixed. 
A good year in 23 is expected to help farmers weather any downturns in the year ahead. Now, in the 8th District of St. Louis, ag conditions are down, droughts are ongoing, and cattle owners were forced to ship herds to other states in 23. In Minneapolis, the 9th District also says incomes were mostly lower, although stronger than some expected. And in the 10th District of Kansas City, softening farm income and credit conditions, they remain a concern. District contacts point to higher production costs and higher interest rates as major factors in the 2024 farm economy outlook. Those higher interest rates are slowing home sales, but what about ag land? Farm journalist Tyne Morgan joins us from Kansas City and Tyne. Are land sales seeing any signs of slowing down? Well, Clinton, there are hints starting to sprout that signal a slowdown in farmland values. But if you look back at the past year, the farmland market has been on an impressive run. From the $34,800 breaker land sale in Missouri that smashed records last fall to the Sioux County, Iowa farm ground selling for more than $22,000 to start the year. It's proof the strength in the farmland market hasn't fizzled out. The key point without a doubt is resiliency. Paul Shadegg is senior vice president of real estate for Farmers National Company. A new land report from the company shows even with declining commodity prices and elevated interest rates, farmland values are holding higher than expected. And we really haven't seen uh, in no decreases to speak of and still some really strong sales out there in the country. Jim Rotherich is a farmland appraiser in Iowa and also watches the farmland market closely. It's just, it's just remarkable how stable this this uh, uh, market conditions have been. Rather Mitch tracks land auctions across Iowa. Based on my data, uh, we're down one percent from this from uh, last year, and I just think that's amazing that that it held up that well. Rather Mitch says, according to his analysis of farmland sales in Iowa, between January first and June thirtieth last year, there were only two sales that topped twenty thousand dollars per acre. But from July 1st through the end of 2023, there were seven sales north of $20,000 per acre in the state. We had a post-harvest bump. I think the drought was affecting uh, market conditions uh, early on in the year. People were hesitant to, to push those prices. Shedig says Iowa's farmland market has been the strongest, but there are now other states bringing in eye-popping sales. You know, going in Indiana have kind of picked up a little steam Rotherich says he combs through 130 auction websites every three months, and recently he's uncovered one change. One thing I noticed is the number of price reductions on the listings these companies had. I hadn't seen that before. So the market is being affected by high interest rates. As farmland values remain a focus in 2024, now the question is just how much of a correction could the farmland market see this year? If we look back across the last 25 years, we've seen some run-up in land values and then it resets at a new normal. In the next 12 to 20, 24 months, we're probably going to see things kind of the land values reset at a at kind of a new level. The last time we had a run-up uh, in 2013, 2014, the market, you know, went down 20 to 25 percent. It just doesn't seem like it's going to do it this time. Instead, Rotherich thinks farmland values could be setting up for a correction in the single digits. All right, thanks, Tyne. More money is on the way to help grow fertilizer production here in the U.S. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack announcing more than $200 million in loans and grants for fertilizer production and renewable energy at this year's Farm Bureau Convention. For the fertilizer program, it involves $50 million involving seven projects in seven states. To expand access to additional fertilizer, 
expand access to, to uh, fertilizer that will lower costs. Excited about the opportunities uh, in the Midwest in particular uh, to see this happen. This will now bring to uh, the total of 40 such projects that we have funded uh, through the USDA. And we've got about 50 projects yet uh, to be funded. So there's a tremendous opportunity for us to substantially expand access to fertilizer and lower costs for farmers. The money from the fertilizer program comes from the Commodity Credit Corporation. Proper fertility is important for increasing production, but the jury is still out regarding whether applying nitrogen to soybeans help farmers flip their soil to achieve a yield bump. The science behind soybean production indicates soybeans are a legume that fix their own nitrogen. But South Dakota State University's Cheryl Reese says there's always a lot of debate about adding an additional application. Soybeans in general use a lot of nitrogen for the production of the crop. We rely upon the legumes and the rhizobia uh, infection, the symbiotic process that occurs there. Uh, the theory is, is that once we start pushing our yield with soybeans, is that we may run out of enough uh, capability of the, of the rhizobia to supply nitrogen. So we're approached 70, 75 bushels per acre. Some theory states that we may be beneficial in the fact that that's the, the, the rhizobia can't keep up. It's a theory they've done a lot of research on at the university. The experiments that we've done in South Dakota honestly have never shown a benefit with an in-season nitrogen application, even in high-yielding soybeans. Um, and the data from the South Dakota Soybean Contest would support that as well, too. Agronomists in other parts of the country may argue differently. Now, as far as other macro or micronutrients go, Reese does recommend that farmers apply phosphorus on conventional soybeans, but not on no-till beans. There was plenty of green across the Commodity Futures Board on Tuesday. We'll check on the market close coming up next in Markets Now. And later, we're off to a Georgia farm to meet a hard-working member of the operation. Skippy isn't just a good girl, she's also the Farm Dog of the Year, today in the country. Flip Your Soil on Ag Day is brought to you by ESN. Hear how farmer Heath Cottrell achieved award-winning corn yields with ESN Smart Nitrogen. Learn more at SmartNitrogen.com. Soybeans making some gains for a fourth straight session and hogs also seeing some improvement. Agnes Michelle Rook has this analysis in Markets Now. A mostly higher day on Tuesday with the exception of some of the wheat contracts. Dave Chatterton with Strategic Farm Marketing is back with us. And Dave, let's talk about the soybeans fourth day up. Was that basically more corrective buying or where did the push from the meal market come from? Yeah, Michelle, nice to see a good close yesterday and adding on a good close here today. Taking out last week's high and those March soybeans at that 1237 level, closing above that. That's the first kind of cog in the process of forming a bottom here and maybe try to talk about turning the market the other way. I think the meal just doing a little catch up from what happened yesterday at a very active meal oil, you know, day yesterday, particularly with the announcement of the Phillips 66 plant kind of EP, your environmental approval out in Rodeo, California. It's a big plant. It means a lot to the oil, oil market, it's beans in general. So meal doing some catching up today, but I think there's another story here, Michelle. I think it goes back to South America. We continue to see these 
you know, these Brazilian soybean estimates creep lower. We're, we're well below 150, a lot of analyst size right now. I don't know that our shop is particularly that low, but there are estimates out there as low as 135. And that starts to change the complex of what their exports could look like. And now we've got some dryness starting to develop in Argentina. Corn getting three quarter of a cent higher for the day on Tuesday, but we're kind of in a consolidation pattern right now, aren't we? Yeah, kind of the little train that could, trying to get up that hill, not quite able to do it just yet. And I think it's a situation where we haven't had much luck trading below 440. We haven't had much luck trading above 446 or 450. And we've got a downward sloping channel in the, in the chart going all the way back to last fall. I think, you know, that comes in at about that 455 to 60 level, depending on how you measure it. That's providing a little bit of resistance here, but okay. the balance sheet room that we've got in the corn, I think, is the and a pretty strong day in livestock. Was that fun buying or just the strong product values? Yeah, I think it's both. I think we, you know, these fund positions have been pared down to a pretty minimal level on the cattle complex, basically a neutral position in the hog complex. We're seeing the cash markets and the cutout markets perform. We're seeing the, the, the uh, packer margins move into the positive territory in terms of uh, beef and improve in, in the pork complex. And right. surprising to see that demand and the, you know, with this water storm passing weights, you know, kind of thought to be back on the way up with slaughter thought to be picking up here again, you know, clearing all the turtles in the, in the supply side. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Dave Chatterton with Strategic Farm Marketing. We'll have more update coming up. So as promised, uh, we had uh, a two-week period, about 10-day period or so of uh, bitterly cold temperatures and a couple of snow uh, events come through the United States. You can see where the current snowpack uh, is located. This is going to be eaten away. The overall trend isn't for one or two days with above average temperatures. It's nearly a week across the nation. So expect this to revisit this next week and see it obviously a lot smaller. One thing to keep in mind though, with warmer temperatures and a significant snowpack through Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, northern Indiana, uh, into the north east and back down here to the south and to the southwest. You put warmer air on top of a snowpack, you're going to get fog. So a couple of nights and mornings, we're going to be dealing with very low visibility where that snowpack is located as that warmer air rides up and over the top of it. What warmer air? This warmer air, January 28th through uh, the early start of February. A pocket of some uh, warm air, but the higher confidence of above normal temperatures and basically situated into the Dakotas and Minnesota and Wisconsin, but nearly two thirds of the United States once again under this warm air. Something we've been talking about the last couple of days, a uh, cooler than average, possibly into Miami. So that means 65 degrees instead of. 70 degrees. Uh, there's a look again as that temperature outlook end of January into February. We put the, uh, the jet stream on there. What you're going to end up seeing is a ridge out here to the southeast start to break down and move uh, to the east. A couple of troughs are going to try to develop. And remember earlier when we were looking at the snowfall potential, there wasn't much. That is going to be our next rainmaker this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and into Tuesday. So that trough lifts to the northeast. Check out what happens in its wake. This is why high confidence uh, forecast brings warmer temperatures across the United States with that ridging back out west. Start off a uh, circle, not square, not triangle, not pentagon, not hexagon, circle. Montana, mostly sunny, high of 38 degrees. Got some morning fog, as we just talked about in Missouri, high about 48 degrees. Elk Mountain, partly cloudy, high of 35.
We're finally starting to see some improvement when it comes to pork prices with the pork cutout now back above $90. The cutout firming on Monday, $1.61 to $90.17. That's the first time it's been above the $90 mark since November 6th of last year. Market watchers saying rising wholesale pork prices are strengthening packer margins, which is giving them incentive to keep raising cash hog bids. As of January 13th, the Sterling Pork Profit Tracker put the farrow to finish margin at a loss of more than $55 ahead. Can pigs help people live healthier lives? A new study is showing promise in people with liver failure. Surgeons recently doing something unusual. They externally attached a pig liver to a brain dead human body. Now they watched it successfully filter blood, which is a key step toward eventually trying the technique on living patients with liver failure. Doctors at the University of Pennsylvania conducting the surgery, they say externally attaching the pig liver creates a bridge to support failing livers by doing the organs blood cleansing work externally, similar to dialysis for failing kidneys. Now, animal to human transplants often fail because people's immune systems reject the organ. Scientists are now working with pigs whose organs have been genetically modified to be more human-like. You can read more about this at porkbusiness.com. From people-friendly pigs to man's best friend, we'll meet the farm dog of the year, working hard in Georgia, next in the country. American Farm Bureau Convention this week, the Farm Dog of the Year was crowned. This year, it's a dog named Skippy. As you'll see, Skippy joined the Adams family in Georgia and quickly became more than just a farm dog. When you have an injury like I have, if you sit in the chair or sit on the couch, that's where you go end up. Get by. Because we have Skippy to help us, every day we're doing something. If it wasn't for her helping us with the cows to keep me busy, things might not be as good as they are now. There. Good girl. Skippy is a Border Collie Catahoula Hound Australian Shepherd mix that we were fortunate enough to receive. We've had her a little over a year now. She's all of the above. She's a partner. She's a pet. She's right here with us, helping us with the cattle every day. Donald was out with his son feeding hay and the last bale bounced the wrong way and hit him in the back of the head, broke his neck, and it bent the spinal cord. He was completely paralyzed from the neck down. I wasn't gonna leave the farm. There wasn't no doubt. As long as I got a breath in me, I'm gonna take care of the cattle and the farm. I was still at Shepherd's Spinal Hospital in Atlanta, and we were introduced to Farm Dog, which supplies dogs to disabled farmers to help them keep going, and thank God we did. Skippy kind of filled that role that, you know, it would take three or four people to herd 40 cows out of one pasture to another. Skippy and I can do it by ourselves. Skippy can do it by herself, to be honest. It's gonna be hard to replace her. She's just such a loyal companion. She's about like my wife is, <laughs> about like my children is. You know, you just think so much of these dogs. This type of injury, you've got to stay busy all the time. And that's why the cattle and Skippy Happiness is responsible a lot for my recovery. Being able to keep the cows and 
and something for me to live for every day. I mean, she's contributed that immensely. Getting a farm dog involved with us changed our life. Our thanks to the American Farm Bureau for sharing that story with us. Now, Skippy and her family will get $5,000 in prize money, along with a trophy and a year's supply of Purina pet food. And that's all the time we have this morning. From all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day out in the farm country.